0: You're listening to the OnSide Podcast, the podcast for innovation-driven entrepreneurship here in Atlantic Canada. I'm your host, Alex McCann, and this is episode number 10. Our guest today is Saeed El-Darahali, the founder, president, and CEO of SimplyCast. Said was eight years old when he discovered computers and he decided at age 16 that he would become an internet entrepreneur. Today, as the president and CEO of SimplyCast, he is a leading provider of multi-channel automated marketing services. Said, I'm so thrilled that you could join us today and welcome to our podcast.
1: Thanks, Alex. Uh, pleasure for me to be here today and it's just wonderful to see you in person.
0: That's right. Yes, we haven't had very many in-person podcast uh, recordings because of COVID, but hopefully we are slowly coming out of COVID and it's really nice to be with you here in person. So you and I had a chance to chat and get to know each other a little bit, um, but I thought maybe what we could do is open things up and have you tell us a little bit about yourself because you have such an interesting background and you've done so much here in Nova Scotia and Atlantic Canada. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: Sure. Yeah. So my name is Sayan Alder, Halley, President and CEO of SimplyCast. Uh, you know, a company that's uh, located in what, what I'd like to call Silicon Dartmouth. Um, uh, pretty much wherever the location of uh, SimpliCast we like to call it the area of Silicon Dartmouth and the the nice thing about it uh, that just recently happened, probably about a couple of years ago, is that we started receiving mail to our office with the Silicon Dartmouth on the address. Ah. So even Canada Post has adopted uh, the model, and uh, which is wonderful. So we haven't lost any mail because of it. Um, uh, we arrived, I arrived here back in 92. I was only about 11 years old. Um, I, I was born in Kuwait, and uh, my parents uh, decided that Canada is the place that we want to be. Uh, my father always wanted to go to the U.S. Uh, he's an engineer. My mother's a teacher. I have wonderful uh, four sisters and uh, you know when my father decided that uh, North America is the place that he wanted to be he decided that Canada would be the place and we were very lucky to be accepted as immigrants uh, in Nova Scotia Um, as you can imagine uh, when we arrived we didn't uh, speak a word of English my parents didn't speak English Uh, We struggled a lot, uh, you know, as a family, as any immigrant family arriving in this wonderful land and uh, had to learn very quickly to, you know, support a family being the oldest boy in the family um, uh, and uh, decided to, you know, begin working very quickly and uh, worked in a lot of different uh, areas. Uh, but computers has been my life since I was eight years old Uh, you know it it happened because uh, my cousin had a 286 computer and I just became very jealous (laughs) of uh, him having a machine and decided that I wanted a similar machine and then went into you know game programming and learned the general programming principles Uh, didn't know what I was doing but I learned uh, you know on my own and uh, then decided that you know, my passion is going to be computers, not medicine or, you know, pharmacy or anything like that, because a lot of our families have got, gone, gone into the medicine uh, field.
0: Okay. So you, did you get your hands on a computer or how did you, how did you know that you loved computers? Like, did, was there one just kind of laying about? Your your cousin had one? How did you?
1: That's exactly right. So my cousin had a, a 286 computer and, uh, you know, the minute that he would leave his, uh, his uh, you ah. know, little den or office, I would sneak <laughs> in and try to get into on the machine. Um, he didn't really like me being on that machine. So eventually I, you know, I cried. <laughs> Pretty much every day to my father just to buy me a machine, and those machines were very expensive back mm-hmm. then. Uh, so he bought bought me like a Commodore type machine um, at at the time, and uh, basically started picking up books and programming and making games. And uh, my dream was to become a game developer, which is I think what any you know young person thinks about as as a as a, as a profession. Uh, but from there, I just uh, you know um, learned a lot about computers, and eventually when we came to Canada. Uh, I actually created my first internet uh, account on Shubak which is a, a oh. free internet connectivity that's uh, provided by Dalhousie University, oh. and that uh, gave me access to you know uh, getting on the internet before the internet even became an internet in Halifax.
0: <laughs> so that was that was a while ago. So that's, absolutely, that's good. That's good. And so you're you're a young uh, new immigrant with your family living in Halifax. Is Correct. it okay? And you're starting to get really into computers. But how did you start to develop a bit of a entrepreneurial bent? Was it something related to computers or how did you start figuring out? You you mentioned you had to, you wanted to help your family out and things like that. How did you kind of move that, move that along and start going, you know, thinking about entrepreneurship?
1: Absolutely. So the first thing that I needed was cash. So I basically picked up a job at a local store um, on my street when I was about 12 years old. Um, And then also picked up another job in a motel, believe it or not, and was working, you know, the night shift after school, trying to generate as much cash as I could. And uh, when I did that, I decided to start up a small little, uh, you know, computer parts business. Mm. Um, And there was a a wholesaler back in the day that I would go and basically set up uh, a relationship with and uh, started putting computers together for myself. I still have the the full tower. Uh, that i created back in those days still in my <laughs> in my uh, in my storage and i show it to the kids every once in a while this is what a computer really looked like back in the day mm-hmm. and i would take it apart and show it show them um and then from there i decided that it was time for me to start an actual business that potentially has some some growth potential so made some money you know consulting uh, you know putting computers together for my friends uh, gaming machines copying you know uh, duke nukem and doom uh-huh. to another and you know doing all these small little things that a child uh, is able to do and i was able to make money and everybody would come to me and say hey Saïd, can you fix this can you fix that and and so on and so forth um, then started a uh you know another business which was a cotton candy business it was a really really nice uh business you know at 13 14 years old mm-hmm. uh actually set it up set up the business off of caledonia in, Dar- in dartmouth and, uh, you know, within six months, I had, I think, 150, 160 stores across uh, Nova Scotia. Oh, wow. And I was kind of known as the Mr. Cotton Candy guy. <laughs> uh, learned that, uh, you know, you're not able to drive until you're 16. So I had to actually set up another company where my father owned it. And he was the distribution arm ah. of our company and uh, learned a lot about, you know, how to set up a business, a little bit of writing, you know, setting up a bank account, uh, dealing with all the, you know, the accounting principles and and so on at a very, very young age, even before going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Um, And, uh, you know, from there, you know, I decided, I think, at the age 15, 16, that it was time for me to drop out of school because, you know, the Internet was starting to, to, you know, become a commercial space Mm -hmm. uh, for people to interact. And I saw a lot of opportunities and I came up with a pretty crazy idea um, that uh, didn't actually happen until 10 years after. Oh, OK. And the concept was uh, because I saw how difficult it was because we didn't live in a, in a rich neighborhood. A lot of people didn't have access to credit cards. You need to have a credit score and things like that, including my parents, because they were new to this land. Um, so I said, you know, what if I could create the world's first prepaid credit card? Hmm. And I went to my parents and said, "I'm dropping out of school." I, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, and they said, "Well, if you drop out of school, we're going to disown you." Oh. <laughs> because you know, as a as a, a mother that's that's a teacher, and my father's an engineer, and the family's very much into the education. I was the only you know person in the in the family that, you know, even thought about business. Mm. Right? So business was something that's very bad in the mm-hmm, family. You, know, mm-hmm. you should you should have a job. 9 to 5 focus very much on uh, you know establishing a career have credentials behind your name and that's how you are known to be a good person mm-hmm. in, that, in, that, in the in the eyes of society i guess the mm-hmm. way that my parents have thought and i said i don't want to do that i want to work in an area where i'm passionate about where i'm inventing um, and uh, the joke was with my parents is that you know in a computer I can make a mistake and a bug is created but nobody's harmed. Mm. But if I if I was a doctor and uh, I made a major mistake there's a life that potentially could be at risk. And I said I'd rather be able to recompile a code and fix the bug and bring that uh, you know feature back rather than you know, not having the ability uh, that God would have depending mm-hmm. on your faith uh, um, of bringing a human back to, mm-hmm. to life. Right? So that is I a decide- very good point. <laughs> so I decided that computers is the
0: Place that I wanted to be. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So, so, so your parents. You know, you're really into it. You're you're having getting some business experience. You have this idea for a prepaid credit card. You you want to pursue it. Your parents are kind of like, mm, I think we want you to be a doctor, or a lawyer, or something. You know, we understand and respectable. We don't really even know what this prepaid credit card thing is, and so they're like, Well, maybe maybe we don't want you to to do that. So, so then, what happened? What did what did you kind of do next?
1: So, I continued to you know pursue the various ideas. Uh, I actually started a few other you know uh, businesses. I also joined the Canadian Armed Forces at the age of sixteen. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so that was another thing that I did at that time, and uh, you know basically what I wanted to do is have pretty much everything that a human would need to be able to, to operate in a, in a, in a company. Uh, it doesn't have to be a technology company. So I saw the military as a, as a way to give back to the community, um, a way to give back to the country, and that's why I joined. Uh, I remember the story when I walked into the recruitment office, and I said, I'd like to join the Air Force. And I said, well, what is the reason that you'd like to join, Said? Can you give us a little bit of an insight into your thinking? Um, and I said, well, my, you gave my, uh, my family, my sisters and my, my parents, uh, you know, a great land to, you know, live in. I'd like to give back to the, to the country. And the officer said, that's a wonderful reason for you to be here. And uh, then he handed me a pay sheet. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Excuse me, why? I don't need. I don't want to get paid by the military. I want to just give some time for a year or two to support the armed forces, and then come out." But he said, "No, but you have to get paid. How are you going to eat?" <laughs> and I said, "No, no. I'd like to keep that money." And he looked at me and he said, "This guy is still a child. He did not <laughs> truly understand." And I said, "Look, I've got enough money. I've been, you know, working in business, and uh, you know, I'd like to just give back to the comu- to the community." And he said, "Well, we can't take you until you sign that you are going to get paid." Uh, and, uh, and I said, "Wonderful." My mother didn't like that idea either. <laughs> Being the only boy in the family, as mm-hmm. you can imagine, said, "Well, you know, you don't." It's not compulsory for you to be in the armed forces Said. right and mm-hmm. I said, well I want to give back to the country and i said if it, if, if I die for this country um uh, you know i'll be I'll be uh, you know uh, uh, you know uh, I've, I've, I would have felt that I've given back mm. and uh, but that didn't happen, which Canada is a peaceful country as you can imagine, we don't fight a lot of wars out there so so uh, you know my mother was proud that I came home and uh, you know I'm, I was still in one piece even after basic training so and that, mm-hmm. was, uh, that was that uh, was you know a great achievement. Uh, where I stayed for about five years okay. of my life in, in the armed forces, but I continued to pursue uh, a lot of different businesses. Mm-hmm. So I've started probably seven businesses, sold six. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and uh, I have not sold the cotton candy machine; still at home.
0: Ah, okay. And I said important. When, when keep, my wife, yeah, you know, when that. my
1: wife says, "Well, why do we keep it?" I said, "That is my backup plan, just in case." Uh
0: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's your retirement plan, you know. When you <laughs> exactly. just want to sit on the beach and have something fun to do, You're, you've got your cotton, like, cotton, cotton candy, candy, machine. candy machine. Exactly awesome so so you you um you you have this like entrepreneurial spirit that started at a really young age. you also have this community mindedness you know you wanted to join the military um and you've you've bought and sold several businesses um mostly kind of in c- computers or um internet related businesses how did you decide to to create simplycast like how did that
1: it's a bit of a long story but uh I'll, yeah we'll and i go. also
0: know you have and i wonder i'm also wondering you know with your exposure to uh, the military if that had any influence on absolutely. on what simply absolutely. cast
1: us absolutely uh, so the the military in general is something that every 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 human being should consider joining uh, it's a great opportunity to learn about what our country uh, you know is able to do from a uh, you know uh, support services peacekeeping services and so on and Canada has a you know a wonderful uh, global uh, on the global stage, yeah. uh, but uh, you know our soldiers are working very very hard to support even our domestic uh, situation. So uh, and the uh, the things that they teach you um, allow you to have tolerance, uh, stamina, and uh, you know the sleep deprivations they have to go through <laughs> just to stay up. That you know, when you're doing a watch, I think those are very, very important skills to learn because you'll need them when you're starting up a company. Because usually there's not enough time in the mm-hmm. day to get the things that you want to get done. Uh, so that built a lot of character for me, and uh, I think it would do the same for many if they decide to join our great armed forces, uh, uh, regardless of uh, you know which uh, which which branch: the army, the navy, the air force, and so on. Even cadets is a is a great mm-hmm. uh, opportunity for young kids as well. Um, but for me, um, um, I actually became. A, a venture capitalist uh, mm-hmm. before I started my company. Uh, I was lucky uh, when I was doing my, uh, my MBA at St. Mary's University. I was actually sitting in the MBA lounge mm-hmm. and at the time there was a, 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 a newspaper called Daily News. I don't know if you remember the Daily News. It's no longer in existence, but the Daily News had a little article um, that talked about an ad for an internship for two years. The position was only paying anywhere between 19,000 and maybe 30,000. Um, and somebody that's graduating an MBA would expect a, a lot more. So I said to my peers, I said, hey, I'm, you know, this is a, a wonderful opportunity of an internship for two years uh, to learn about commercialization, to learn about marketing, to, to learn about venture capital, to learn about how you seed uh, you know, business ideas and protection of from a patent perspective. And I said, this is my calling, because if I can learn all this stuff in two years, I'd be ahead of everyone. Mm. And uh, my friends said, "Said you're crazy. You, know, <laughs> you could be making forty, fifty thousand bucks at a bank mm-hmm. as soon as you graduate with the skills that you have, or you can be in in the, in the IT world as soon as." Uh, so I decided to apply. 174 people applied in Nova Scotia, and I was the one that was selected. Oh, wow. So I felt very, very, very lucky uh, to be selected for that program. Um, I think myself and another person were the only ones to complete that program. Mm -hmm. But what that program provided me is to actually work at Dalhousie University for nine months Ah, at the Technology Innovation uh, Office. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. what that basically taught me was the opportunity of, um, you know, patenting uh understanding how to protect technology mm-hmm. from an ip perspective trademarking working within the various programs that exist within government to get funding for example for the uh, for the uh, researcher mm-hmm. and so on and so forth so uh from there i also learned about venture capital where i actually worked with a venture capital firm uh, in nova scotia and a few other uh, you know marketing mm-hmm. uh, you know opportunities so uh, i had the business skills from a young age then mm-hmm. i got this destiny opportunity if you wish mm-hmm. where i worked for two years uh, in the in the commercialization mm-hmm. uh, field within uh, you know the university space and then from there um, uh, you know, uh, got hired as a venture capitalist for five years in my life where I I was on more of the buy side. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to entrepreneurs pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading 1500 <laughs> business plans, for example, over the, the five years to decide which business we should invest in, mm-hmm. do the analysis, do all the things that you need to do to actually s- uh, be, uh, you know, uh, a good uh, venture capitalist before you can select the the right firm that you want to invest in. Um, that was a wonderful opportunity, but my heart was really in the uh, in the business of inventions and mm. creating technology and making an impact and uh, Part of that process uh, was I made a, d- a decision when I was uh, seventeen years old when I was in the armed forces uh, there was a you know a major event that happened in Nova Scotia that kind of changed my views in life mm-hmm. um, specifically and why we really need to make an impact in a technology space and in the business rather than just focus on one thing and just make money and you know, sell your company and move on to the next thing because there's an opportunity to uh, you make an impact and a major impact um, and uh, that was the Peggy's Cove and the Swiss air crash that happened uh, back in those days and when that uh, crash actually occurred my sergeant at the time within the air forces in the army uh, called and said hey Said we want you to call three other uh, people mm-hmm. and I said why is the military asking me to call three or four other people And I realized that the armed forces didn't actually have a system back then to call out the troops Mm. for a domestic situation.
0: Oh, right. Because in most
1: cases, when you're trying to prepare for an event, you know, you have a week or two to prepare, you know, you know, you're meeting with the troops and doing all the things, you're debriefing them. This actually happened at five o'clock in the morning and we were called at like five thirty or six o'clock. in the morning. Right. right. Um, so I spent the 10 days, you know, securing the perimeters, doing all the things. And I said, one day I'm going to be able to create a technology company that's going to be focused on communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was the dream. Uh, and SimpliCast today, I'm very proud to say that SimpliCast actually does four things. And uh, at the end of the day, they do one thing. But those four sub parts are part of what we'd like to call engagement automation. So Simply is one of the leading engagement automation platforms in the world. And today we also support four things for engagement. Uh, the first one is communication engagement. So if you think of your organization and you want to communicate with your employees, that is something that we support within, within the platform. If you are trying to do communication and marketing with your clients, we support marketing engagement. The third thing that we do is communicate uh, um, uh, uh, emergency mm-hmm. uh, engagement, right. right? which is basically where the areas of I've learned about within the military and areas that I've seen that pretty much every government in the world mm-hmm. uh, would require. And finally, is the communication engagement. Mm-hmm. So those four items uh, that are required uh, within um, you know any organization, um, our technology now is able to support them uh, in those four areas. So engagement, communication, marketing, and emergency. Are the four areas mm-hmm. that we support any type of business and today we have uh, i'm also proud that we we had the department of national Defense as a client mm-hmm. of simply mm-hmm. cast we have the governor of Nova scotia as a client of simply cast we have you know um uh, you know cihr which is a major organization federally uh, as a client and many others uh, almost every university in town is also a client of Simply mm-hmm. Cast as well uh, the college and uh, many 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 businesses so we've been very lucky we've been humbled and we've been supported by our community here in Nova Scotia, and we also operate in over 175 countries as well, and in about 11 languages.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah, I took I took a I took a look on your website, and I was looking at all the different things that you cover, uh, the different uh, lines of business as well as um, sectors uh, and partners that you have, and it's pretty impressive. It's it's a pretty uh, holistic, uh, approach to what True you're, platform, yeah, a true platform, a true platform, which I want to talk about in, in just a, a second. Um, but you know, I was thinking about your, your military experience, you know, you had this experience at Peggy's Cove, which I can't even imagine. Um, you know, I, I remember that very clearly. I remember that, uh, that accident, um, and then trying to find other people to, to just help, you know, at the situation. And, you know, with COVID-19, we were at that same kind of situation where, you know, we have this global pandemic that took everyone unawares, except for probably, you know, the people who run the models and, you know, those kinds of things, scenarios for this kind of stuff. Um, and SimpliCast has kind of come forward with some solutions to help, um, to help out with COVID-19 with, with tracking and tracing. Can, can you talk a little bit about, uh, about what SimpliCast has done? Cause I, 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 I actually didn't realize that I was using, uh, using some of your things. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is SimpliCast. <laughs> exactly. So I was pretty excited about that.
1: Yeah, so uh, just for, you know, for the record, uh, for the audience, uh, if you'd like to type in the word SimpliCast in your search engine and the word pandemic, uh, you'll notice the date of that article was actually 2017. Oh, wow. So SimpliCast was actually thinking about the potential of supporting WHO uh, health crises across across the globe. And uh, one of my team members thought of the pandemic, and we said, okay, why don't we take a look at uh the standard operating procedures within a pandemic and what would a health authority would require mm-hmm. to do what would a medical clinic would have to do what would you know uh patients if they were infected would have to and we went through the whole process and we said oh my god the technology actually does support all these standard operating procedure if a pandemic was to hit mm-hmm. not expecting that a pandemic would hit but when it did <laughs> uh within you know weeks uh i said to my team i said let's bring a COVID section up on our website And let's come up with every use case humanly possible that we can come up with to support both our government and and uh, you know inter- and other governments around the world uh, to support them in COVID, um, as you can imagine, because our company was very much in the area of you know engagement, communication, marketing, and emergency. Um, you know, we were not known as a you know a, a technology company that could ha- support health, mm-hmm. since it was not a hundred percent focus of our company. Um, so we went out and told everyone that we we had uh, what we had, but as you can imagine, you know, uh, there was a lot of skepticism, right? Mm-hmm. Of,
0: you mm-hmm. know,
1: a company like that actually having the technology do these things. And eventually, you know, over time, um, we had requests from different governments around the world. They said, are you able to do this for us? And we said, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we started supporting, uh, you know, various uh, use cases uh, in the support of ensuring, you know, the safety of the public. One that is probably more prominent than I can talk about publicly would be uh, the work that we have done with a great organization here in Nova Scotia, which is the Restaurant Association Mm -hmm. of Nova Scotia. Yeah, They came to us and said, look, we want to support our businesses to have an easy way To allow for the public protocols to be followed without creating any undue burden on that business. And they said, Do you have a technology that potentially could support? Mm -hmm. And I said, Well, I will show you a technology that requires no hardware, no investment uh, by the restaurant owners, no investment by the users themselves, and no application to install on the phone. And they said, that sounds too good to be true. <laughs> and I said, uh, well, it is not. It's ready to go and I can show it to you today because it was mm. already built back in 2013. Mm. Oh, okay. And the technology, before I kind of go into into the contact tracing, uh, again, in the daily news, we launched a product back in 2013 to actually support the go time of uh, Metro Transit. Mm. So rather than call in to find out when the bus is coming, you would, can actually text the the little code on the On the sign and it will tell you when the bus is coming and if metro transit would have uh you know uh, thought of uh, Mm. you know supporting this concept of actually connecting to the gps we can actually give you a real time Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. was 2013 that we Mm -hmm. came up with that Mm -hmm. idea so we used the same technology in 2013 for the contact tracing when they asked us and they were surprised they said you already have it i said absolutely because the use case was the same but for a different
0: purpose, purpose. Mm-hmm.
1: and that's the beauty of owning a platform rather than a plugin company which we'll talk about later on yeah um and uh, we were able to launch it basically they they we, they said we won the the bid and the contract i think there was three or four other companies mm-hmm. bidding on on that project and we were the the lucky winners mm-hmm. and then we were up and running uh and uh, had almost hundred thousand check-ins in the first month ah which was incredible and uh then we had opportunities where uh you know cbc actually started asking questions about privacy And uh, we were also very lucky because our company uh, pursued our security and privacy day one when we created the organization because we wanted to get to become an emergency company. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that was kind of the beauty because if you know what you want to be when you grow up, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then you're going to be preparing for it every single day rather than let's pivot. And the company has never pivoted Mm -hmm. since we started. The business plan that we wrote back in 2010 Mm -hmm. is the same business plan that we have today.
0: Oh, Wow. Wow. Well, I think, um, you know, what you what you've done with the Restaurant Association, just being a local myself, really appreciate that the, the contact tracing has made a, a big difference, I think, you know, in trying to get get the province back on track. So uh, kudos to you, you and your team for thinking about these things way, way back in the day and then coming to the to the table to uh, to apply them. Well, one thing we uh, touched on a a little bit, um, and you kind of mentioned it just a moment ago, was this idea of a platform company. So maybe why don't you um, tell us what a platform company is? Maybe some people who are listening may not have heard that term before or may not know what it is and why SimplyCast is a platform company. So can you talk a little bit about about that?
1: Absolutely. So I think the, the platform company that everybody knows in the world is Microsoft. So Microsoft and Bill Gates created a true platform company because it is an operating system that is the base of every technology and software that can be built on top of it. That is the definition of a platform. From a SimpliCast perspective, our platform allows you to build endless use cases. Mm -hmm. And that gives us the opportunity that we can be in any market in any space and be able to basically uh, support any use case that is presented to us in a way that requires no programming whatsoever and that was kind of the the vision of Simplicast when we started is that we want it to be the no code low code platform in the world that supports engagement regardless of what it is mm. in the four areas that we want to focus on which is communication engagement marketing and emergency and that is what supported us in creating that concept of a platform I personally believe, and this is what uh, something that I've uh, learned and kind of, you know, it was a light bulb when mm-hmm. we were looking at businesses, both in the venture capital perspective and, uh, you know, in the general business perspective, um, that when somebody pitched me a business, the first thing I would think of, is this a plug-in company mm-hmm. or is this a platform company? And what do I mean by a plug-in company? A plug-in company is a company that does one thing. It can go deep in that one thing, and it could do it very, very well. But that is the only purpose for that company. Uh, There's nothing wrong with starting a platform company and there's nothing wrong with starting a plugin company. However, the amount of investment in dollars that you had to put into a platform company, if you think of Microsoft, if you think of Google, if you think of Amazon, AWS, AWS is a true platform that allows you to build multiple services on top of it. But the cost of starting up a platform company, it has been said, Within TechCrunch, VentureBeat, and all the major, uh, you know, publications out there, you require at a minimum a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. to start, mm-hmm. and this is day one, right, uh, to start a company like that. And eventually, it would cost up to a billion dollars to sustain it, uh, to get to that point. Uh, that is very difficult uh, to do outside of the North, uh, outside of the U.S. and Silicon Valley specifically. And that's why we see a lot of plug-in companies in Canada, mm-hmm. and those plug-in companies are usually very, very good, uh, you know, have a return on investment for investors because They have a shorter time time span. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can be invested within two to five years and within the seven year period, they they could be acquired. good IRR for the investors, good return on investment for the angels, and it supports the ecosystem. However, a platform company usually takes 15 to 20 years to get to the point where you could actually see because it requires a lot of investment, a lot of technological innovation, Mm -hmm. just the the layers of that technology. So, you know, I'd love to see a lot more platform companies, uh, but we don't have the money to invest in those type of companies and you would have to do it in a similar way where you will miss a lot of you know windows of opportunities because if you can't invest that large dollars other companies will eventually eat away at the window of opportunity and will you know will cause you to rethink your strategy mm-hmm. every once in a while which is proud of uh, being an entrepreneur
0: mm-hmm. So so SimpliCast as a as a platform company, um, are there are there companies that you work with that would be plugging into SimpliCast or? Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we SimpliCast is a bit of a different beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why uh, so Simplicast actually owns twenty-six products. And each one of those products is a plugin. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. our vision, and I don't mind revealing this uh, publicly, uh, our vision is to actually have a hundred products on the platform, mm-hmm. and eventually allow others to build. Uh, mm-hmm. However, what we have found just in the last, uh, you know, uh, five years is that SimplyCast today has probably close to four hundred use cases on the platform, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, we see no limit to the mm-hmm. use cases now, and they're coming to us so fast that uh, it's just becoming a, a very interesting that. The vision of Simply Cast back in 2010 is actually materializing in ways that I've never thought. Uh, interesting. Of, which, is, which is wonderful and just kind of speaks to the the wonderful team that we have at Simply Cast and the way that they believe that this was going to be the field of dreams. If we can build it, they will come. <laughs> and they started to come. And uh, as you have seen, the contract tracing is one and there's others that you'll be hearing about shortly as well in, in the coming, you know, weeks and months.
0: Okay. Well, I look forward to, to hearing about that. I will stay tuned for the Absolutely. things that are, that are on the horizon. And one thing we've talked about a little bit before, and you kind of touched on it a bit here was um, you were talking about your team and I know that you're particularly uh, interested in uh, supporting youth unemployment yes. um, and talent development. Can, you know, uh, uh, your and you uh, Simplycast has grown to this size and success and um you know uh, stage of development um partially because of your leadership but also partially because of the the people that you bring on Absolutely. board and you know we're here talking about entrepreneurship and you know what happens with companies can you talk a little bit about the importance of developing talent for yes. um for, for, for a, a business in general, and maybe more specifically related to, you know, a, tech, a tech-based a tech business. Yeah. yeah
1: so um, I've made, you know, in early days when I was uh, uh, at St. Mary's University doing my undergraduate degree in computer science, business administration, HR, and economics, I decided that... Uh, that's I a lot of things, by the way. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's a lot of things. Um, and I decided that, uh, you know, I should be considering doing a co-op on top of it. So I started applying, but because I had a lot of entrepreneurship experience, but didn't have specific skills in an area like, uh, you know, finance or accounting, um, from a school perspective, because it was was only my first year, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the positions that I applied for basically said you didn't have the experience that we're looking for. Um, So I decided back then that when I grew up, I will consider... You know having a a life mission that i will never change Mm -hmm. and that life mission has been since then is to end youth unemployment Mm -hmm. Uh, my work within the one nova scotia coalition the work with pretty much all the organizations that support youth in our province uh, has been something that i have taken as a personal objective Mm -hmm. Um, so you know every day i work i work in my company Um, i support you know the objectives of the organization but before I go to bed every night, Mm -hmm. I ask myself, what did I do for our Canadian youth? Mm -hmm. Um, And if I didn't think of a way to support them or a different way to, you know, talk about them in the various meetings that I have and so on, I just would, would not feel, you know, satisfied at the end of the day Mm -hmm. Um, so recently i've been asked by the federal government to sit in on the national research council board Mm -hmm. the first meeting i had the first thing i said i said is there a youth strategy that's in place and i was very happy to see that nrc had a youth strategy in place and i said well how could we improve it and they said oh my god this guy's gonna push really hard (laughs) on youth Uh, the first thing i did when i joined the one of scotia coalition What are we doing for youth, right? Um, Same thing when I go into my company. What are we doing for youth? Mm -hmm. If I'm on a podcast, I talk about youth as much as possible. And there's multiple reasons. But my selfish reason reason for, for doing that is I have five kids at home. Yeah. And if I take care of my own kids, that means I'm taking care of every Canadian family's kids out there. And if I can increase the opportunity for kids and youth and future adults of our nation to be, uh, to have the experience that they need, which means that they're going to produce more and we're going to, our productivity nationwide mm-hmm. will increase. So I, th- I see it as a, as a lifelong mission that I will probably will be engraved in my, my gravestone mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, his life mission was to end youth unemployment, which is never going to happen, which means <laughs> that I will always be doing it.
0: Well, we need people out there to be supporting the youth. I've got uh, three at home that I am responsible for as well. Uh, uh, Two were going into high school, so I'm, you know, looking forward to having them uh, find opportunities, find what they love, find jobs and careers and, um, you know, ways to to get engaged in the world around them. So I... uh, uh, we we need more people pushing for uh, for the youth. Well, I you, mean
1: you can count on me pushing.
0: <laughs> and, and and in Nova Scotia, it's a, especially important as we think about uh, entrepreneurship Absolutely. and some of those skills that come. you know, we, we you know, hopefully we can get more kids that have that uh, sense of hustle that I would say that you, ex- you exhibited when you were, you know eight, eleven, sixteen, seventeen years old. Um, you know, because it starts really early, and it uh, it makes a huge difference Absolutely. to um, you know someone's opportunities and 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 life trajectories. And so. you'll be
1: ha- you'll be happy to know that I was a junior achiever when I was in grade nine. Oh, right. so that's okay. another program that everybody should join. Okay,
0: so. yes, plug for Junior Achievement. They do wonderful things. Yep. yep. But uh, onside, we're very uh, supportive of the work Absolutely. that they they do there as well. So um, I think I I think before COVID, I was lucky enough to uh, be a judge on one of their. Yes. Um, uh, events that they had. And I have to say, I was really impressed with the students. I mean, they're just Absolutely. so full of uh, energy. Um, well, so, so um, you know, we talked a little bit about Simply Cast and your platform company, your experience, you know, um, you know growing up here in the Army, so many interesting things. And, um, you know, your company has grown in Nova Scotia. I've heard you talk about you know the things that have uh, supported you here in Nova Scotia, and you know I'd like to hear a little bit about you know why do you keep your your company here in Nova Scotia? Like what's what's going on here that that's working for you? Like why why Nova Scotia? A lot Absolutely. of people might be thinking ah why Nova why not Silicon Valley? You know yes. you had mentioned about that you were in venture capital. And you now it's very attractive. It's warm, you know.
1: And I live. I have actually went there multiple times and uh, stayed there for you know continuously for almost three weeks. Um, it's always been my dream to actually go to Silicon Valley. I uh, received that offer when I was in my first year of university, mm-hmm. and the dollars were crazy. Mm-hmm. And I showed it to my mother and I said, "I'm now quitting university Now I'm going go to Silicon Valley." <laughs> she says, "Why do you always come back to say about quitting school?" Right? And I said, "Well, because the opportunities are wonderful up uh-huh. there." Like, and I had my my offer. I think it was in 1999. Just before the the dot-com uh, mm-hmm. crash mm-hmm. and they were after us right like anyone that knew anything and had even a website on the mm-hmm. internet with a, with a strong resume of programming um, so and my mother said look there's one thing that i will tell you and if you could do it you will be successful the rest of your life and i said mom what is that and that is the story mm-hmm. that kind of started uh why i stayed in nova scotia but there's mm-hmm. a lot more reasons which I'll, I'll i'll talk about she said the strongest tree And the tallest tree is the one that has the deepest roots.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I said, and I started thinking, I said, what do you mean, mom? Right? Like, what do you, what do you mean by deepest roots? She says, the more connections and the more that you can, you know, plant uh, in a community, the more support and the more success that you'll have. Mm -hmm. And she said, most people will go after the money. They'll go after the, the, you know, the high rises and the lifestyle Mm -hmm. and so on. But what you truly want to do is go after the deep roots Mm -hmm. because once you establish them, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And people always want to come home. Mm-hmm. No matter where they go, they mm-hmm. always want to come home. Mm-hmm. She says, let them go away, do their thing. But if you can do the deep roots here. Mm-hmm. And for her, she was she wanted to stay next <laughs> yeah, to her. Yeah, she's your mom.
0: She's your mom. Let's be <laughs> she, real, exactly, yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. And I said, you know what? She has more experience than I do. I will, I'm will. i going to listen. And almost everything she said was 100% right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Deep roots, connections, family, support. I couldn't have developed any of the companies without having the family and support and community that I have mm-hmm. here. Uh, the amount of friends that I wish I can hang around with in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the opportunity <laughs> at the time because of, of the five kids and my family. It's just, you know, I can call anybody in this province and ask for their help and mm-hmm. they would give it. And, uh, and without anything in return. And that's the beauty of, of this community yeah. is they will support you. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the deeper roots that you have, the better. But why should everybody in the world come to Nova Scotia? Mm-hmm. That's the big question. Mm-hmm. We have 11 post-secondary educational institutions in this province. Uh, you know, a little plug, uh, and, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a disclosure. I sit on the edgenova board, which mm-hmm. represents all the universities and colleges and the private schools, language schools in the province. Uh, uh, so any company, the, any company requires the one major thing to actually survive and people don't always think it's capital and mm. it's not right the mo- one of the most important things that every company needs is human resources yep you can get capital from anywhere you can actually get it from china you can get it from japan you can get it from the us talent you need to go where the talent is because they have to make the choice of where they want to live yeah you know we have the ocean we have a wonderful opportunity here we don't have the traffic that toronto has and you know calgary and so on and the universities are graduating great minds. Mm-hmm. You know, D- Dallas University is one of the greatest universities in our in in our country, and it's graduating a lot of you know talent in finance, in computer science, you name it. Right. Same thing with St. Mary's, Acadia, and all the other universities out there. So, so I said to myself, I can go anywhere, but the talent is right here, mm-hmm. and I should be able to recruit from it. And it also serves my ending youth unemployment uh, mm-hmm. purpose. So mm-hmm. that was number one. Uh, number two, uh, Halifax is pretty much across the pond from the UK time zone to Boston, New York, and mm-hmm. all the the major establishments. And we have a, a trade agreement yeah. with the US that I can literally walk over to the US back in the day without a passport. <laughs> right uh, now, we need a little bit of passport because of all the situations that's happening out there. But still, when I walk through the border, I have never been stopped mm-hmm. ever in my in, in the history you know of me in, uh, doing any international mm-hmm. travel. And that is because you have a Canadian passport. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. sees Canada as an ally, mm-hmm. which means that we can ship our product to the biggest market in the world. Mm-hmm. So, where do you want to be? You want to be in a place that that supports you. The government is second to none, mm-hmm. both in Nova Scotia and federally. Right? Mm-hmm. They're always looking at opportunities to support the shred program is a huge, huge, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, key uh, program that's available to early startups when they're coming in. NRC, which I'm also on the board of, but you know, have programs like that, ACOA. I mean, I don't think we have a program like COA anywhere in Canada, the way that they support, um, you know, uh, you know, NSBI is doing a huge, huge, uh, you know, uh, support both for, you know, trade missions supporting. So I can just keep going. And mm-hmm. there's like seed organizations, uh, you know, seed is a great uh, you know, organization as well. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to that we have a, a favorable economic conditions. Uh, that we can support businesses, that it's not going to break the bank for you to start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, even this current government that we have uh, is looking at removing red tape. Mm-hmm. Right. So the more red tape that you remove, the more it's easier for business. I think our taxes continue to be high, but that's something that we have to work on, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what jurisdiction that you're in. Uh, but that's uh, you know, Nova Scotia is probably one of the best and most mm-hmm. progressive, and we have onside here as well, <laughs> which is also working. I mean, Cove the ocean um you name it. So I think there's a lot of good planning that's happening both provincially and federally yeah. to start the process, but I think we need to differentiate ourselves mm-hmm. because everybody's be doing the same thing right now and that kind of bothers me a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you look at every region, they're all trying to bring startups. Yeah. If you look at every region, they're always trying to start, the, you know, funds mm-hmm. to invest. Mm-hmm. If you look at every region, they're always so we need to find that unique. And I think the federal government did a good job with the oceans and that's something that we need to grow. But we need to find our calling, right? Mm-hmm. Like Montreal AI. If you look at, you know, Boston, it's uh, biotech.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we need Nova Scotia to be on the world stage mm-hmm. with that one or two things that we can do well and double down on them.
0: Yeah, interesting. I, I've been thinking about that quite a lot. So I might come back to you about that because sure. I think sure. there's a I think there's a growing uh, sentiment out there of people recognizing right. that we have a really unique uh, comparative advantage here, yes. and people are trying to think about how to how to position that and how to right. share with the world what that is in a in a way that uh, that really resonates. So I'm I'm definitely definitely kind of interested in that. So I have a couple of questions that we usually ask our podcast guests. Sure. They're kind of sort of standard fare, and one of them is really. What is innovation-driven entrepreneurship? Like what we, and every, every guest that we have has a very different answer about what it is. And, you know, at Onside, we're, we're working here in Nova Scotia to foster innovation-driven entrepreneurship. There's all different kinds. And, um, you know, we want to get a sense from people, like, what, is that, what does that mean to you?
1: Right. It's one word, impact. Mm can you make an impact? Because innovation is about impact. So innovation and research, it's finding that next vaccine and look at the innovation that has happened around the world because of the pandemic. We needed something, We the, the world came together, but we had a short timeline and you know a good percentage of the population in Canada now is vaccinated. Mm. If you would have ever thought that a vaccine could come out in less than two years, 10 years ago, people would laugh at you, mm. right? So innovation is about impact. And I think what truly makes anything happen is the person or the organization or the team truly believes in the impact. And this Mm -hmm. is what I ask my team every day. Do you believe in the impact that we're making as an organization? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, please Mm leave. I say that to my team. I said, look, there's hundreds of people that would probably believe in this impact. But if you you don't, chances are you're not going to put in your 100%. Mm -hmm. So I believe innovation has to create impact. Mm -hmm. Impact creates wealth and wealth creates prosperity. So if you were to think about making an impact, you shouldn't be thinking about wealth right away mm-hmm. because if you're thinking about wealth unless you already know that this thing is going to be the only thing in the world that you know it's a vaccine and pfizer is mm-hmm, going to be mm-hmm. the one to buy it then you know you already created prosperity wealth and mm-hmm, impact mm-hmm. but 99 percent of the population has to think impact yeah and the biggest reason why when you truly believe in impact you do you will not give up mm-hmm. but if you're thinking about wealth prosperity. If it doesn't work out in the first six months, twelve months, eighteen months, three years, they'll probably walk away from it. Mm. But if you truly believe in the impact that you're going to make, and you're tied to it because personal reasons, family reasons, you know, a person passed away due to cancer, and you are mm-hmm. a cancer researcher, you're probably going to be thinking about that person for the rest of your life, and you're trying to make an impact to, so that mm-hmm. person's story doesn't happen again. Mm. And I think that is true to the word innovation. The other thing that I, you know, that probably is not very popular when I talk about is that entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is just the word business.
0: Hmm.
1: When Adam and Eve arrived on Earth, right? <laughs> <laughs> they probably started a business. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when the population grew, somebody started a business. Entrepreneur is just a sexy word mm-hmm, that we use, mm-hmm. but it's you're still in business. You're a business owner. right? The yeah. only difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur, if you if you want to differentiate them, is that they probably, or sorry, an innovator, mm-hmm. is somebody that wants to innovate on, on something that will make an impact that probably didn't exist before. Mm. Where a business owner is in the business of providing a service or aware you know a product that is in need for the market and hopefully you'll innovate a little bit on it, but that was not the goal that you get it. You, you went into that business because yeah. you're trying to support your family and make money.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. Um, you mentioned a little bit about um, some of the benefits that come about from being innovative um, And at OnSide, we've been focused um, you know around inclusion. As yes. well, uh, inclusive innovation driven entrepreneurship. And that's definitely a conversation that's been coming forward a lot more in the last year um, to the everyday person. I think right. probably for a certain group of people, you know, that was a conversation before, but now it's in everyone's face, whether it's related to women or uh, Black identified people, indigenous. immigrants, indigenous uh, folks. Um, what do you think? Where do you think this is going with regards to innovation and entrepreneurship? How do we how do we include more people to get the benefits from from innovation and entrepreneurship? So I
1: think I think inclusive inclusivity EDI is something that we actually been talking about. Now we're just terming it. Mm-hmm. So in the past we used to think hear about the glass ceiling. Uh, we used to hear about the inequality of pay, you know, uh, across the different genders and you know back in the day back in the 40s the 30s the 1900 early 1900s uh we used to think of slavery Mm. so every single day there's always an edi problem that's happening since again adam Eve were one on on earth right um and you know from an innovation perspective i think what is what is happening from an ecosystem perspective across the globe is that we are now seeing that our you know society is catching up to our population diversity mm. right um, where if you looked in south A- south A- south africa for example there was segregation even communities where 100 percent were white and you know the majority were black in the poorer sections of south africa for example um, so this is happening around the world but i think from an ecosystem perspective the the governments and the world has woken up and says we truly to have peace around the world. We need to live in peace ourselves, mm-hmm. and we need to start to change our communities uh, from within, rather than look at other countries first. So I think that's what's happening to Canada, both in the Indigenous file for the African Nova or the Canadian, uh, you know, African Canadians across mm-hmm. uh, the nation, immigrants that are coming here, regardless of what religion um, and so on. So I think you know, over time, we're going to be seeing uh, both, uh, you know, normalization of understanding that everybody's the same on the inside right like we're just human beings trying to live and we're trying to come to this great land so we can you know support prosperity and economic growth but at the end of the day innovation is what will be driven because of diversity and i think that's that's kind of the message that mm. a lot of people don't kind of tie together mm. the more diverse the community is the more innovation that will actually come out of it because the individuals that are coming to this land right regardless of they're migrating from new brunswick to halifax But they're here because they have a purpose and they have a reason why they migrated from one Mm -hmm. province to another, from one country to another. And when they get here, they have a lot more passion and energy that they wanna get to that impact that they wanna do. And that's what drives innovation, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you're trying to find a job and you don't know what job you're gonna work, you're gonna create your own job. When they create their own job, let's say a coffee shop, they're gonna have to hire local people which means that you've just grown the pie rather than Mm -hmm. stole a piece of the pie Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of people think that you know in a democratic society like in canada and in an area where capitalism is flourishing you are always growing the pie you're not taking away from Mm -hmm. the pie and Mm -hmm. i think that's that's one thing that you know nova scotia we have to start stop thinking about we're as in Mm -hmm. we're a not half province Mm -hmm. we're here to grow Mm -hmm. we're here to make impact and we're here to grow the pie Mm -hmm. and the more people that can grow businesses here the more people will get attracted here Mm -hmm. and i think the pandemic woke up a lot of people around the world to say nova scotia is the place to be Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. here we are and they're moving here even though they can work Mm -hmm. in another region but they want to live because this is a really 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 good uh, Mm -hmm. place to live and play and grow a family
0: well, you raise a really good point because you can certainly enjoy your apple pie right. sitting by the ocean exactly. or by a lake, right. or you know, on a boat. Uh, so I think as we're growing our pie, we do have a great a great, uh, great little lo- locale here for for people to join us. Absolutely. Last question that I have for you: um, This is another question that we usually ask our guests. Um, entrepreneurship, nurture or nature? What nurture. do you think? Nurture. Nurture. Okay. Absolutely. Why is that?
1: <clears throat> because I think if the person has the impact, then you need people to nurture them to get them there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. I like that. Well, I think that we had a great session today. I bombarded you with a f- few questions. Thank you so much Absolutely. for uh, spending time with me today and sharing about your your journey here um, and your experience with your family coming here, your early um, experiences, creating a business, all of the encouragement that your family gave you Absolutely. some wise sage advice from your mother. Absolutely. Um, and for, you know, sticking with Nova Scotia and really, uh, working with, uh, with everyone here to, to grow your business here locally, uh, employ youth. Um, and all of the the volunteer work that you're you're doing as well. You touched on that quite a bit, and it's really great to to see that and to to know that you're you're pushing in many different directions. Um, for people who want to know more about SimplyCast, what's the what's the best way to connect with you or learn you can, more about your company? You can
1: add me on LinkedIn. You can add me on Facebook, or you can uh, just reach out to our team at SimplyCast.
0: Okay, that sounds great. Thank you so much for joining us today, and for our listeners that are out there, thanks for tuning in to the Onside podcast. We hope that you will stay tuned for future episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Onside Now, or check us out on our website. And can't wait for you to join next time. Excellent. Thank you very
1: much. Thank you very much for having.